0: So, the title of today's message, if you're writing that down, is simply this The container counts. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been kicking off our messages. I'm going to move this because we're about to make a little bit of a mess. We've been kicking off our messages with a moment of joy. We've been having different staff members come up here and they've told some jokes, they've done some different things. And I thought, hey, since I'm coming today on video, I can do something different and special. Um, to put a smile on your face, and to also help us really just lean into the message. And there's certain staff members that they're not big on, like, talking on stage, but I said, well, then this is the opportunity for you. So everyone, let's welcome Ben to the stage. Come on up, Ben. Come on up. Come on up. Ben willingly said he would do this, too. Why don't you take a seat, Ben? So I'm not torturing him. I just want you guys to know this before I start. Um, We're talking about joy today, and we're, we're... Going to dive into this thought of the container we place our joy in really counts. So I want us to think about water as joy. So this water is going to represent joy. And I'm going to put it in this container of this styrofoam cup. And there's a couple different things that a lot of times we put our joy in. And this styrofoam cup represents that sometimes we put our joy in the hands of others. It's through others' praise. It's through um, uh, the, the, the way that people look at us, the things that people say about us, other people's words. And I'm not saying we can't find some, some sense of joy, but we place our overall joy in trying to just please other people, and trying to have relationships with other people. And the thing is, when we put our joy in the hands of other people, eventually people let us down. Eventually people kind of, they, they, might, they might crush us, and they might get on our nerves, and they might squeeze, and all we're left with is lost joy and a mess. All our joy has been just lost, and we got a mess down here. And so we find a lot of us think, okay, fine. I'm not going to put my joy in the hands of others. That's not the container I'm going to put it in. And so we start to find our joy in something else our own achievements, our own accomplishments. If I can't trust somebody else to give me joy, I'll trust myself to give me joy. I'll do better, I'll be better. That can lead to a lot of, sometimes there's some self-worth that goes in that's good, but it also can lead to pride. And the thing about that is we start to tie that off, and it feels like we've got it contained. Like, I've got it contained. I've, I've found joy in success. I've found joy in a job title. And again, I'm not saying that you can't have any joy in those things, but they cannot be the source that you put all of your joy in because it feels good, but really when you kind of touch it, it's flimsy and all that needs to come along is one person to be better than you at something, to speak poorly of you of something, to lose a job, to have something negative happen and then pop, you just got it on me a little bit <laughs> and it's, it's gone You've lost it all, and you do it again, and oh, pop, bummer. (laughs) Ben did not know I was going to do that. Okay, now, I don't want to just pick on him because the truth is there's one other thing that sometimes, and it's a much more negative thing, that we can sometimes put our joy in, and honestly, I'm I'm not putting my whole joy in this today, but I do think it's funny. Um, Sometimes we put our joy in trying to watch others fail trying to get others fail, to, to gossiping about other people, to speaking poorly about others. And we could place our joy in that kind of nasty container as well. And I have put my joy this morning a little bit in that container. So I told Ben, I said, I'll, I'll let you have a little bit of payback, but I cannot do this with my microphone on because I do not need to ruin this. So I'm going to take this off really quick, and then I'm going to sit down, and Ben gets to pop the joy Oh yeah, okay, I'm taking this off. Yeah, joy in Jesus. Oh, man. All right. So, magic of video. Look, I am completely dry in the same clothes. All like that. That's why we do video messages sometimes. But um, let's just get back to the main point. We want to remember that the container that we put our joy in is what counts. And Paul says it. He says, rejoice. And then he gives us the container, in the Lord. The container we have to put our joy in must be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have to remind ourselves consistently, I'm free, I'm forgiven, um, I still have a king who's on the throne. If that hasn't changed, then we can still rejoice in the Lord. So I can be joyful even when my circumstances aren't favorable because oftentimes we all know that circumstances aren't always favorable. When I don't have, when I do have, in all of these situations, I can be joyful because the container that I've put my joy in is in Jesus Christ. It's just a simple statement that Paul makes there, but it's rejoice in the Lord. Put your joy in the right container. Jesus is the container that he can... can, can, any of those sharp objects or crushing things like we just saw. He can stand up to any of that. He never fails. He never lets us down. But considering all this, we got to look at the next few sentences. I want you to look at the next sentence of verse one. It says this, Paul says, it is no trouble for me to write these same things to you time and time again. It's a safeguard to you. So he's reminding them again and again of keeping focus on the message of the gospel, keeping their their alignment with Jesus. And he says, it's safe for you to hear this. And I'm gonna repeat this time and time again. If you're a parent of a toddler... Um, you know what it's like to try to keep your kids safe by saying the same thing over and over against them. Do not put that in your mouth. That doesn't go in your mouth. Sit down. And you say it over and over again to just instill some safety and guardrails in their life. And Paul is saying, I'm going to just keep speaking this to you over and over again. It's safe for you. It's something you need to be reminded of. And he's saying, "And I want you to guard this joy. He's about to tell them, someone that's going to try to come and and speak something different to them, to, to move this joy into a different container. And he's saying, so I want to make sure that I safeguard you by just stating this over and over again. And so he says, you need to hear this. It's good for you. It's safe. Because here's the truth, guys. Anytime that we move away from the message of Jesus time we move away from the message that Jesus is Lord of all, that He gave His life for us, that He's put into a tomb, and on the third day that He rose, anytime we start to add something to that or say that's not quite good enough, man, we're going into a dangerous place. When churches move away from the message of Jesus, when they move away from the standards of Scripture, they're headed in a dangerous direction. You can't. We can't decide to just make up a more appealing gospel because maybe the one we have we think is too offensive. And we also, we can't say, hey, this grace thing is too easy. We need to add more to it. There's got to be some things that we have to do to add on to this. Both of those things are the wrong direction. We can't try to just include enough effort on our part. And we also can't say, well, this is um, too hard for others. We have to just keep our focus on Jesus. So Paul, he goes on in verse 2, And he says something. He says, watch out for those dogs. Now, he's talking about people here. He's not talking about little puppy dogs. In America, we've got this fascination with dogs. My sister's got this little tiny chihuahua, and she dresses it up. If you dress your dogs up, that's weird. That's, I mean, I'll just say it. It's weird, okay? But go for it if you want to do it. But Paul, he's not talking about little dogs like we're aware of. When people heard this term, beware of dog, beware of the dogs, look out for dogs, they wouldn't have thought of the cute little furry animals that we have today. They would have envisioned these straggling, vicious animals that kind of just would roam the streets. They're garbage eaters. Um, They're dangerous. They ate filth. And they bred disease. And this is actually a derogatory term that a lot of Jewish people would call Gentiles. Gentiles is just non-Jewish people. That's the majority of, of us in here would be considered Gentiles. And it was a derogatory term that they would call Gentile people, they would call them Gentile dogs. And Paul is saying, I want you to watch out for these people who are going to come and try to just rob something and steal something. Beware, watch out for this. He's given them warnings. And here's what he's warning them against. He's warning them against false teachers. False teachers were going to come to them with a different addition to the gospel. And these false teachers were called Judaizers. Now, when I say Judaizers, I'm not talking about Jewish people. Although they were Jewish, the Judaizers were people who mixed the grace and love that Jesus offers freely with the Old Testament law and all that comes with it. They basically were saying Jesus is good, but he's not all the way enough. You've got to add back the religious customs and law of the Old Testament. So they were basically saying that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't enough for salvation. And they believe you had to add something. And there was one big something that they really focused on a lot. And Paul knew it. He talked about mutilation. And, and that big something that they wanted to add was something that a lot of you guys in the room would definitely not like. They said, to, in order to actually be saved, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus circumcision. So let me just say if you think it's hard to get involved here at Relevant, we do not have surgical Sundays. Um, you, won't, you won't have that around here. And this would have been difficult for them. There's no snip-snip parties here. Um, that does not take place. But for these guys, you've got to think about, He's remember, the Philippians are full of Gentiles. These are non-Jewish people. And so they had people coming in along beside and saying, oh, you've heard the message of Jesus? Wait, did you also hear that you have to be circumcised? The majority of these men would not have ever been circumcised and now they're hearing what I got to go through what and I don't know about you but if if somebody came up to me and said all of a sudden I got to have an actual surgery to be saved I'd be very confused um, and he's saying Paul is warning them he's saying look out for these people who are coming to rob the goodness of the gospel of Jesus the freedom that comes from Christ that are trying to add something difficult to it He's telling them just, he's warning them over and over again. And by the way, a lot of us, you might be thinking, hey, those days are long gone of people acting that way and people trying to add on um, things to the gospel. But you are completely nuts if you think that, honestly. There's always people trying to add things in addition to Jesus. Um, Even in the church, I've done this pastoring thing for a long time, and I've had discussions with many, many well-intentioned Christians who are doing their best, I think, to follow Christ, but I've heard this statement many times, well, you're not really saved until blank. And you can fill in the blank with all kinds of different things. You're not really saved until you've been baptized. And not just baptized, it's got to be baptized the right way. Or you're not really saved until you speak in tongues. Or you're not really saved until you experience this thing. And you're wearing jeans on stage, I don't think you're really saved at all. So all of these things, I mean, I've mean, i heard them, but that is, that's one of these dogs that's coming to devour and to rip apart the truth and the freedom and the grace of Jesus Christ. Some of it's out of just a misunderstanding and a fear of wait, we have to have a part to play in this. Ha- there has to be something that I have to do to, to earn this because we're not really good at accepting gifts. And Paul is trying to tell them this is a gift of grace that's offered freely to you. Remember, we heard this, and we've heard this time and time again. A few weeks ago, we heard it. Our obedience and faithfulness is a response to the gift of salvation. It's not how we earn it. So our obedience, our our desire to be holy is a response to the good gift of grace that Jesus has given to us. It's not a way that we earn that gift. And if we present a gospel message that sounds anything like salvation plus behavior modification— What we end up doing is we present people with false hope and it leads to Christians who are either anxious or prideful or judgmental or stressed out because we presented them with, well, to follow Jesus, here's the behavior modification that you have to have. There'll be behavior modification. If you actually have an interaction and a life change with Jesus just this past week, I was telling, um, talking with our staff and I said something, I'm like, I've heard this a lot. Apparently some of them hadn't. But if you have an actual, a train hits you in the face, you're going to look different. So if the Jesus train has actually hit your life, you're going to look different. It's a response. It's something that happens out of the outflow of grace we got to remember, once we get the verdict of, hey, you are not guilty of your sin because of Jesus Christ, we don't just get the, hey, the verdict of not guilty, we also get the adoption of you are a son, you are a daughter in God's kingdom. That what you, you, you don't have to work to receive anything, but you get to be a part of the work that God wants to do here on the earth. This is really important, that acceptance comes before the behavioral change. Our only behavioral change is just to surrender, to submit, and to receive. It's important that we remember that, and Paul is trying to get them to understand that as well. Everywhere else, it's it's strange to us because everywhere else in our life, we have to behave a certain way so that we will be accepted, but the good news of the gospel of Jesus is because of his perfect life, because of the way that he lived, his death and resurrection, we can be accepted. Verse 3, Paul tells them in verse 3 that the spirit of God and, and the finished work of Jesus are good enough and have set them apart for his purposes. Then he goes off. Paul goes off in verses four through six, and he starts listing all the things. And remember, Paul was the Jewish, like Jew of all Jews. And he basically says, if there's the best Jewish guy award, I win it. If there's the badge of I'm the best, I'm the one that has every right to wear it. Game over. I'm better than you. You know it. And he's kind of just laying that out there. And he's letting them know that that's not really what this is about. And if it was, I've done all of these things. And after all these accomplishments, in verse 8, he says this, I consider all of these things garbage. All of these works that a lot of people put their stamp of approval on and say, man, look at all I have accomplished. Look at all that I've learned. He said, I consider all of them garbage. And here's why, because he says it's really all about, I want to gain more of Christ. In our versions today, we'll see the word there, it's used garbage or rubbish. But the Greek word is actually the word scubula. That's the Kentucky word of the day. Okay, Kentucky word of the day. Everybody say scubula. Now, what that word is, it's literally a crass saying for the word for animal poop. So scubula is a crass word um, for the word animal poop. Now, uh, come on, guys. You aren't all saints. You all know what the modern-day equivalent of that word would be. Uh, it's, it's, what's a crass word for the word poop? I don't need you all to say it. Please do not say that right now in here. But Paul wants us to understand, that's why he speaks kind of almost in this, this crass language to drive this point home, that all of these credentials, all of these accomplishments that I just listed off about how great I am as a man, it's all bullsculpula. All that matters is the work of Jesus. Jesus we come back to, the, to what we said at the beginning. Jesus is the container that can hold our joy that never fails. When all else fails, I can still have joy because I have Jesus. So that's why we have to rejoice in Jesus. He's the container that counts. He's what our entire hope, our joy, our life should be placed in. Guys, as we kind of come to the end of this, if you were to boil all the belief systems in the world, Down to their core. You could, if you took all the religions in the world, they kind of come down to one of two approaches. There is the religion of human achievement, and there's the religion of divine accomplishment. So you've got human achievement and divine accomplishment. Every religious system, including sects of Christianity, so including pieces and parts of Christianity, they, they boil down into these two different areas. Human achievement, divine accomplishment. And human human achievement is I'm right with God because I've been baptized, I'm right with God because I go to church, I'm right with God because I conf- I've been confirmed, or because I pray, or- and it's all about our achievements, we're saying I'm saved because of our achievements, there's a lot of other religions that they believe it's a, it's a works-based mentality, that if I do good things, I'm accepted by God, but only biblical Christianity falls into this second category of divine accomplishment, And that is saying this, I've been forgiven and set free, not because of what I can do, but because Jesus is Lord and he lives. Divine accomplishment is I'm putting all of my faith and trust and hope in Jesus and what he's done and what he's achieved and the freedom and the grace that he offers me freely. It's not based off of my works, because as it says in Scripture, if it's all about me, then I get to have all the boasting. Then I'm the one that can be prideful about it. But it's I want to be able to boast in the Lord of the goodness of who he is, how amazing and how powerful he is. and, and Paul, in this whole passage, what he's wanting them to understand is, guys, don't fall into the trap of self-achievement. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to be holy, but man, strive to know who Jesus is. So our joy must be guarded. Legalism must be avoided. And if you place your hope and joy in anything else, it's going to let you down. You got to stay consistent and rejoicing in the Lord. When we keep our mindset on Jesus, it's not like the bad days suddenly go away. But it gives us the hope and the joy to actually make it through them. And there's so much in this passage that, I mean, we could spend a long time digging in here, but I am completely self-aware that you guys have a hard enough time paying attention when you're in the room, and I'm in the room, so video makes it even a little bit more difficult. And Melanie and I, we can't wait to be back with you guys in person next week, but as we end today, I wanted to share a clip to really just drive this point home. The point that Paul's trying to make, that it's not about our good works. It's about what Jesus has done for us. There's a preacher and his name's Alisher Begg. And and like any preacher, not every single thing that you'll find that he says is perfect. But man, in this clip that I want to show you guys today, he gets it and he nails it. So as we end, I just want you to, to really listen in and be reminded
1: that it's all about what Jesus has done. Take a look. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? if you answer that and if i answer it in the first person we've immediately gone wrong because i because i believed because i have faith because i am this because i am continuing loved ones the only proper answers in the third person because he because he and think about the thief on the cross and oh, what an immense <laughs> I can't I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him how did that shake out for you because you were you were you were you were cussing the guy out with your friend you'd never been in a Bible study you never got baptized you never you didn't know a thing about church membership and and yet and yet you made it you made it how did you make it that's what the angel must have said you know like what are you doing here well I don't know what what do you mean you don't know? Well, I, cuz I don't know. Well, you know, we uh, uh, Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Then go get the supervisor Ranger. so we just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now that is the That is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God that just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you, in this sense, that we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved.